This is kpcradio.com, the voice of Los Angeles Pierce College. We are broadcasting from Woodland Hills, California on 2.4 and 5 gigahertz. You are listening to Electronic Echoes, an exploration into the world of shortwave radio. Out of all the program types heard on shortwave, none has embraced it more than religious radio. From the beginning, teachers have used the immense power and reach of shortwave radio to get the word out far and wide. My guest for today is Ray Robinson. He is the Vice President of Operations of the Strategic Communications Group and the voice of Hope Radio Network. He oversees and grows the vast Voice of Hope uh, Radio Network. One of the Voice of Hope stations, KVOH, is located on Chakros Peak in between the San Fernando Valley and Sini Valley. It runs evangel- evangelic- evangelist programming Monday through Saturday, spreading the word throughout the Americas. Hello and welcome to the show, Ray. I'm glad to have you. Hi, Aaron. It's really good to be here with you too. So, I'd like to ask uh, ask you, um, could you tell me what got you into shortwave radio? What was your first memory with the medium? Wow. Well, you can probably tell from my accent, I'm not a California native here. Um, I was born and raised in London, England, and I started listening to the radio back in the 1960s. We had offshore stations on, on ships because the uh, radio broadcasting scene in the UK was tightly controlled by the government and the BBC had a monopoly, so commercial stations were not allowed. And we had a few years where there was a number of stations that broadcast from ships offshore. The government brought in a law against that in 1967. And after that, I started exploring, well, since the pirate stations have gone away, what else could I hear? And I I found on shortwave that you could hear very interesting programs from elsewhere in Europe. I used to listen to Radio Sweden and Radio Denmark, uh, Netherlands, uh, Dutch World Broadcasting System. They had a station called, or a program called The Happy Station on Sunday afternoons, which was really interesting. Listen to Transworld Radio from Monte Carlo. Uh, a whole new world opened up to me, and it was all through shortwave radio. My granddad had a shortwave radio, and he was the one who first got me interested. So I started learning some of the uh, possibilities that there were with shortwave right back in my teen years in the 60s. And what was the defining moment that made you want to pursue shortwave radio more seriously than just a casual listen? Well, I've always been interested as a shortwave listener my entire life. And I've had close relationships with broadcast stations. I was a monitor in the UK for uh, HCJB out of Quito, Ecuador in the um, 70s and 80s. Um, I I had a a lot of interest in that medium, but it wasn't my profession. Uh, By profession, I was in the finance industry. I got into software development. I ended up managing uh, a large software development group for a financial services company here in Los Angeles. Uh, and I've actually been in California now for over 30 years, so this is home to me now. But um, it wasn't until, let's see, 2012, uh, my position was eliminated in, in the company I worked for. And uh, after a, a year or two um, 
looking around at, at what else might be possible, I happened upon some email communications with Reverend John Taylor, who runs the Strategic Communications Group. He founded it in 1998 and operates the Voice of Hope World Radio Network. And I had heard a, a Voice of Hope station way back in the late 1980s, uh, which I knew had been based around here somewhere. I'd, I'd heard the ground wave signal from it. I knew it existed, but I didn't know what else was going on. And so I contacted John and we ended up talking and the station had been off the air for a few years, actually in the early 2000s. And we were talking about maybe uh, getting that back on the air, which we succeeded in doing and have actually expanded the network now in the last few years. We now have stations in the Middle East and in Africa, in Zambia. So we're broadcasting to Latin America, to Africa and to the Middle East. And it's, it's been a really exciting role. I never thought honestly that I would end up with a position like this in radio. You know, it was just a, a hobby interest to me most of my life, but it's been fantastic the last few years. I'm glad to hear that you found your way into the into the space of yeah. uh, broadcast. That's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Uh, and when you joined Voice of Hope, um, what made you well? What made you pick Voice of Hope versus working for any other station? <laughs> well, because they're here. <laughs> ah, well. uh, um, I went to to meet John over in Simi Valley, which is where the station is based. Um, the actual transmission facility, as you said earlier, is on the top of Chatsworth Peak. We have about 50 acres up there with a, a massive log periodic antenna that uh, is actually beamed 100 degrees dead eye straight on Havana, Cuba uh, oh. from Los Angeles. That's, that's where it is, is, is aimed at. And most of our programming up there is in Spanish. Um, we're targeting Cuba. Um, Mexico, Central America, the countries of South America that are along the northern South America coast, like Venezuela and Colombia and so forth. That's where we get a lot of response from. But the signal does reach down. Just a few days ago, I got an email from uh, two listeners in Brazil who wow. are practicing Spanish. We get reports from Argentina, from Uruguay, Chile, Peru. Um, it covers uh, a very wide area. I, I think it's probably DXs mostly at that distance, yeah. but uh, actual shortwave listeners, people who are interested in the content that we're broadcasting, uh, mostly that's in Cuba, Mexico, and Colombia. Colombia is a very um, restricted country in terms of broadcasting. You, there's no mm -hmm. Christian programming allowed on the radio there. Obviously the same in Cuba, it's a communist country. And even in Mexico, it's very, very limited. It's surprising. So um, that's where most of our listeners come from. That's interesting. That's very interesting. I never would have thought. But Venezuela is interesting because that's also a communist country, and you'd expect that to be very restricted. But actually, it isn't. You can get Christian programming on the radio in Venezuela, and local FMs carry Christian programming there. But you can't do that in Colombia. You can't do it in Cuba. So uh -huh. that's why we use shortwave to reach into those countries. You know, in, in North America and in Western Europe and, you know, the, the places we think of as being the first world, 
shortwave doesn't enter the thinking of most people. I mean, they're, they're not mm -hmm. familiar with it. They, they, they wouldn't know what a shortwave radio was. They don't have any need to go looking for program content on shortwave because everything's available these days on the internet. Mm -hmm. But in many third world countries, that's not the case. And that's why we still use shortwave as a medium to get our message across. Um, I mentioned we have a station in Africa, it's mm -hmm. just outside Lusaka in Zambia. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've been down there a number of times. And last time I was there, we have a studio complex in the center of the city that we rent from one of the local FM stations um, that we, we share studios in the same building. Mm -hmm. And I was talking to the lady who's the manager of that station. And I, I said, you know, in my hotel room, I did a band scan end to end on the FM band in Lusaka. And there were about 30 stations that I heard. And, um, you know, it was all sorts of um, different kinds of music and, and talk and so on, just as you'd expect anywhere else. But our shortwave transmission facility is 22 miles outside the city to the southwest. And I said, when I drive out there, it's not that far away, 22 miles. I said, I can only hear two FM stations. I said, why is that? Why can we not hear the others? They must be very low powered. She said, the government, the official position is that they want to promote community radio. She said, frankly, the truth is it's highly political. They do not want high power broadcast stations falling into the hands of political opponents. And therefore, all FM stations in the country are limited to 1000 watts, one kilowatt. It's all they're allowed except for two stations. One is their own government broadcasting station, ZNBC, Zambia National Broadcasting Corporation. And the other is a relay of the BBC World Service out of London. Those two are allowed two kilowatts, 2000 watts each. And she said, I bet those are the two that you heard out at your shortwave transmission site. And I said, yes, they were. She said, wow. that, and that's why you won't hear anything else. So you can go to the main cities in a country like that and you'll hear lots of FM stations, but you only have to drive 15, 20 miles outside a city and there's nothing or very little. And you drive out into the country and all, I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles of, uh, of rural um, areas where there are tribal populations that live. And in Africa, in Zambia in particular, they make English a common language so that they yeah. can communicate with each other between the tribes. Oftentimes it's not their first language, but just about everybody speaks English. So we can broadcast on shortwave and they'll hear us. But apart from that, they, they have nothing. They can't hear the FMs from the city, they're too far. AM doesn't work in the tropics because you get tropical interference. Oh, you get lots of uh, yes. static crashes and atmospheric noise and so on. So in Zambia, there are no AM stations at all. They, they can't use them uh, in the tropical bands. So um, there's no TV outside of the cities. Um, if you are wealthy, a farm owner or a mine manager or something, you know, you can put up a satellite dish and you can get programming from satellite. But the ordinary population, they can't afford things like that. And so a cheap $20 shortwave radio that you can pick up into about any market there 
is what they use for their entertainment. Even newspaper distribution doesn't happen outside the wow. cities. So for entertainment, for news, information, the way they keep the country together, they listen to shortwave. The government broadcasts in, in Lusaka, they have a shortwave transmission site uh, for ZMBC. They broadcast on 5915 kilohertz. That's their broadcast to their country, how they keep the country unified. And so we don't even think about things like that in the West. You know, yeah, they, they do have 3G network, um, cellular network. It does penetrate. And people, some of them do have smartphones. But practically nobody is listening to streaming audio on smartphones because they can't afford the data plans. And, and you know, it just doesn't, it doesn't compute. It's just mm -hmm. not something that's, that they would even think of doing because they just can't afford that in their budgets. So uh, in the Middle East, we use streaming a lot. We have an AM station there. Um, but for Latin America, and uh, there's large parts of Latin America where you can only reach by shortwave. And in Africa, we cover all of the English-speaking countries in Africa. Shortwave is still very important. And, you know, we're not necessarily wedded to shortwave, but right now that's the tool that's still working for us. And it's how we can reach an audience, a population. So the mission of your station is to fill in that informational gap that people who live in places where you can't get anything else, they can listen to you and get what's going on. Yeah, we're, we're a Christian station. Oh, okay, so, you know, our, our primary purpose is to... Uh, spread the love of the Lord Jesus Christ to uh, explain the gospel to people who have never heard it before and to support and encourage Christians. But that's not all we do. We, we have long-form programming. Um, we're typically on the air, for instance, uh, in Africa, we usually go on the air in the afternoons at about 4 p.m. Central African time and we run through midnight. Mm -hmm. And we have a lot of music programming um, interspersed with some shorter teaching segments. Uh, we do carry news and we try to keep people informed. So it's an alternative form of programming. It's a, a, another station people can listen to besides the official government station. But of course, we reach across borders. There's no censorship. Mm -hmm. And we can, um, we have an antenna down there that's beamed to West Africa. And, so, and that's often heard in North America sometimes as well. It's heard wow. it often in Europe. Uh, and we have an omnidirectional antenna. It's very interesting. It kind of works like, uh, if you can picture an umbrella, it throws the signal directly up in the air, and it hits the ionosphere oh, and comes back down like an umbrella. Yes. And from that one antenna in just outside of Lusaka, we reach pretty much all of... If you picture the continent of Africa, the southern part of Africa, you know, which covers yeah. perhaps from Kenya in the north down to Cape Town in the south and the full width of that continent, plus the island of Madagascar out in the Indian Ocean. All of that is within the range of the omnidirectional antenna. Wow. So, it, you know, your audience uh, knows something about shortwave radio. We use 31 meters during the daytime and... Uh, we use a 60-meter tropical band during the hours of darkness, uh, night nice. time, to reach the, the, the areas, the regions are immediately around uh, Zambia, where we're based. And to West Africa, we use uh, 31, 25 and 31 meters during the daytime and 49 meters at night. 
so six megahertz band it, yeah. it works very well it's it's surprising how good how strong how robust shortwave broadcasting still is in some of these areas mm -hmm. yeah and how do you select what goes on the air like how do you say that this this program goes between two in the morning like 2 p.m to 4 p.m and then like how do you schedule out the the transmissions to people to make sure they're getting the right stuff well that's a fun part of my job <laughs> excuse me um i'm kind of like a program director if you like uh, yes. for both the station here uh, that broadcasts the latin america and the one in africa we have an in-country manager for the station in the middle east uh, the station there is actually based in the far north of Israel, oh, nice. uh, and that broadcasts to Lebanon, Syria, Jordan, uh, Israel, of course, and Cyprus is where that can be picked up. Um, so that's managed locally. But uh, I work with the in-country staff. Um, we, uh, uh, we use WhatsApp a lot. We communicate backwards and forwards with that all the time. Um, and you know we we look at which presenters are available to cover which hours and um, so we have one presenter running a three-hour shift maybe um, but we slot in a 15-minute teaching program here or maybe a 25-minute teaching program later that, that kind of thing and some short segments as well and um, be sure that everything is is covered so Working with the presenters, arranging for cover if someone's needing to take a day off or something, you know, it, it, it's always uh, an interesting challenge. But they keep me on my toes. And um, we have a, uh, although we're broadcasting to Latin America from, from Chatsworth Peak, mm -hmm. uh, uh, and I kind of have oversight of that, I don't actually speak Spanish, <laughs> which oh. is a challenge. So we, we have a guy, Lorenzo Martinez, who uh, is my right-hand man. He's one of the main presenters on the station too, but he also oversees programming and helps us keep things organized uh, on that station. And how effective are your transmissions going out to people? Uh, how many QSL cards are you getting every week? I, I, well, how would you say? Oh, we don't get them, we have to send them out. Oh, yeah, QSL I mean, to, yeah. to verify reception. And I guess I probably see on an average week, maybe 20 to 30 verification or, or re reports of reception. Yeah, that's what verification QSL cards, about 20 to 30 a week. Yeah. And uh, how do you see the future of your station? Now, your. Oh. Your listeners can't see this, but you can. This is ah, the QSL yes. card for our station in Africa. Um, and here is, is a QSL card that we use for the uh, local station here broadcasting to Latin America. So I've just shown Aaron there two of the example QSL cards that we use. And uh, again, uh, part of my job is making sure that we maintain good communications, good relationship with uh, shortwave listeners as well. We do value their reports to us and mm -hmm. um, they often give us good information that our engineers can use to tweak and fine tune our transmissions. So we appreciate that very much. And where do you see the future of shortwave radio in itself? 
Um, well, there's been a long debate, um, probably for 15, 20 years now, over digital transmissions in shortwave. And the main uh, protocol for that is Digital Radio Mondial, DRM. Uh, we as a broadcaster would love to be able to switch to DRM broadcasting on shortwave. Um, shortwave has tremendous coverage capabilities and mm -hmm. DRM enables you to put a studio quality FM stereo equivalent signal over three, four, five thousand miles. And it, it's just a fabulous technology. I've heard the results myself. But the problem has always been lack of receivers. And mm. until they're generally available, it, it's always going to be that problem. There's been good news in the last uh, two or three years because India has adopted DRM in a huge way. Pakistan has recently That's come good. out saying that they're implementing DRM. Brazil is going with DRM. Um, even in South Africa, they, they do have DAB already, but now they're using DRM as well, or they, they, they're going down a parallel path. So I think the receivers will come. It's just taking an awful long time. So for the future of shortwave, it's still a technology which has the ability to put a radio signal over many thousands of miles. It crosses political borders. It can't be controlled by governments. Mm -hmm. It can't be shut down in the same way, perhaps, as, say, the Chinese or the North Koreans can shut down the Internet yes. or the Iranians or, you know, I mean, there are governments out there that don't want people to have free access to information. And shortwave is always the tool that people turn to when times get difficult like that. It's why the BBC still yes. broadcasts and the Voice of America yes. still broadcasts on shortwave to parts of the third world where information is really restricted. It, it just makes sense. So I don't see it going away anytime soon. The internet is a great tool too, and we certainly will be using that as well, but it doesn't replace shortwave. Yeah. Now, quickly, because we're almost out of time, I just wanna mention that last week, I had the pleasure of talking to Jeff White, the general manager of Radio Miami International, and he mentioned, I know Jeff well. Yes, and he mentioned <laughs> that you and him, uh, along with Adventist World Radio, co-produce WaveScan. That's a, right. Um, actually, let me let you explain. What is exactly WaveScan? It's a half-hour weekly program for shortwave listeners. Yes. And we talk about, um, usually there's, there's a historical topic yes. where we're talking about the development of early days of radio or radio in interesting times. Last week's program, for instance, was about the role of radio during the Malvinas War oh, in Falkland Islands in the 1980s. And we had some uh, audio that we played of uh, what it sounded like in the studio the night that the Argentinians um, occupied the station. You know, they, oh. they took over the islands and the presenter was there with a gun in his back. And <laughs> it was, it was uh -oh. really quite dramatic. So, um, yeah, we, we, we play things like that. We have reports from um, uh, DX reporters around the world, from Australia, Japan, Indonesia, um, various places, talking about what they've heard in the last week and what reception conditions are like. We um, carry information from 
conventions. We are part of the North American Shortwave Broadcasting Association, NASB, and we have an annual meeting. The yeah. High Frequency Coordination Committee meets twice a year and we bring information from their meetings. So it's a lot of stuff that would be of interest to shortwave listeners that we put in WaveScan each week. It's available as a podcast as well as being carried on, was carried on um, KVOH and on our station in Africa. And um, Jeff has it numerous times a week yeah. on WRMI. And of course the Adventist world radio stations around the world, including uh, KSDA in Guam, which yeah. is their main, their main station broadcasting to Asian countries. They carry WaveScan too. Well, I'm sad to report that's all the time we have today. I want to thank you so much, Ray, for your time here today. And I hope you have a good day up in Jackwood Hills. Uh, more info can be found on kpcradio.com. And this has been Electronic Echoes, an exploration into the world, hidden world of shortwave radio with Aaron Castillo. I hope to see you all next week.